Happy New Year, everybody. We did it. New Year. New me. For those of you that are hoping to start a New Year resolution, today's not the right day. Tomorrow also isn't the right day because it's a federal holiday, so just start it next Monday. You know, like, just, 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 just push it off. It's, it's totally fine. As Paul mentioned, my name is Luke Babby, and I am the associate student pastor here at Christ Church Lake Forest. So that means that if you don't recognize me, it's probably because I'm normally upstairs in the Cove room teaching the middle school students during this time. And it's an absolute blast. The Cove students are just, it's a privilege for me to get to teach them. And actually this year we changed up Cove a little bit. It's only sixth through eighth grade now because we launched a new ministry in the fall called Fleet 4-5 for our fourth and fifth graders. And that age group brings a whole nother form of energy to the table. They're an absolute blast. We get to work with them as well. And then when they get on to high school, on Sunday nights I work with Siler at Shig. And I also, I, I also help run with the, the, the young adults group that, that meets on Mondays as well. And I just am absolutely blessed Um, privileged and honored to serve and minister to the students and young adults here at Christ Church. And actually, one of the things that I love to talk about with my students, and they actually in turn love to make fun of me about it, because I I talk about it a lot, is the fact that I am now a married man. Uh, July 2021, me and my wife Jessica got married. And you know, like, It's been a year and a half now, and like all things in my life seem to be kind of trending up. Like I dress a little bit better. I'm a little bit cleaner. Like I I, I owe that to my wife. And uh, this year and a half has been an absolute blessing for me. But I remember as we were um, getting in, like getting ready to get married to each other, as we were engaged, Jess would wear her engagement ring, but I didn't have to wear my wedding ring yet. And that was something that I was really, really worried about because I never really wore much jewelry. I thought I'd forget it. This is kind of expensive and I didn't really want to spend the money on it. Like I didn't fully understand the point of it. And I think that's why I kind of was worried about it. See, I thought the point of a wedding ring was when you walk into a room, everybody else would see that I'm married, right? And, and that's what, that, was the po- that was the point of it. And it wasn't until I actually got married that I realized that this ring represents so much more. So the day that me and Jess got married, we stood facing each other and we made these bold statements saying that we were going to love each other through sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for, for d- during the good times and during the bad times. And we're standing here saying that with our loved ones all watching us and before God, we're making these promises to one another. And then to close out that ceremony, Jess put this ring on my finger to represent those vows that I made to her. And so now, I actually really enjoy wearing my wedding ring because it's so much more than just a sign to everybody in the room that I'm married. It's a reminder to me of those promises that I made to my wife. And it challenges me and pushes me and reminds me to, to continue to love her. See, today, as we look in this, at this particular story in Joshua, we're going to see that God continues to move and bless the people of Israel, and he wants them to be reminded of that as well. And I think that that's an appropriate thing for us to talk about today, as we just ushered in a new year, as we are yawning because we just celebrated the end of 2022 and moving on to 2023. But before we get into Joshua, I I need to set us up and and, and explain why we are there. And so the book of Joshua is actually the first book after the Pentateuch. And the Pentateuch is the first five books of our Old Testament. 
A majority of, our, of the Pentateuch follows this generation of Israelites that started in Egypt in bondage and in slavery. And we've probably all heard this story before. Maybe we've seen Prince of Egypt or remember Sunday school. But God has chosen the Israelites and they are his chosen holy people. And so with that, he decides to raise up Moses and, and, he, and he stirs up these 10 plagues, right? And also that Pharaoh would let his people go. And finally, Pharaoh lets, allows that to happen, but then he changes his mind and the Israelites are leaving slavery and they come across the Red Sea. They're unable to cross it. There's no boats. There's no bridges. There's nothing that they can do. And the Egyptian army is actually chasing after them. And God intervenes another time and parts the Red Seas. And, and we see the Israelites cross the Red Sea on dry ground. It is a miracle. That's not the end of the Pentateuch, though. That's not even like the halfway point of the Pentateuch. The rest of our time with the first five books of the Old Testament follows the Israelites after they have crossed over the Red Sea, after they have escaped the bondage of slavery. And we see them in the wilderness, in the desert, roaming for 40 years. And, and really, the Israelites have one job during this time, and it's simply to just look at God and follow him. All while they're doing this, they're promised this new land that, that the Lord is going to give to them. They refer to it as the promised land, this land that's flowing of milk and honey. And so while they're traveling there and wandering in the wilderness, all they need to do is simply look to God. They have one job, and they blew it. They messed it up. They couldn't really do that. And so the end of the Pentateuch, we see that this generation that we met in Egypt, in the beginning of Exodus, isn't ever going to leave the wilderness because they have been unfaithful, because they couldn't simply just look to God and remember his powerful hand. And so that brings us to Joshua, because there's a whole new generation of Israelites that Joshua is now in charge of. These people were not in bondages, right? They were not in slavery in Egypt. They didn't get to cross over the Red Sea. Instead, they heard these stories from their parents. And so their whole lives, they spent it in the wilderness, hearing promises of this land flowing of milk and honey, this fertile land, this fertile promised land for them. And so in our text today, as we look at Joshua chapter 3, we're going to see the this new generation of Israelites enter into a new time period. It's, it's, and it's, it's a great, great story. So let's get into it now, starting in verse 14 of chapter 3. It says this, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. And verse 17 goes on to say, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Okay, so we are introduced to this new generation of Israelites. They are finally about to enter this new age, but the, the only thing that's standing in their way, the only thing that is standing in between them and this promised land that they've been waiting for their entire lives is the Jordan River. 
Okay, so I actually had the opportunity to go and see the Jordan River a few years ago. And I was super excited because, you know, Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River. This story occurs in the Jordan River. I couldn't wait to see because, like, I'm picturing this, like, majestic, powerful river. And we went to a portion of the river where people were getting baptized. And I remember it was, like, the wimpiest portion. It was, like, just a tiny little stream. If I were to, like, get a running start, I could probably jump over the river. And like, that's just kind of how rivers work, right? And, and the scripture makes it clear that it's during the harvest. So this river is actually flooding. So it's even more violent than normal where the Israelites need to cross. And just like the Red Sea, there was no boats or ferries or bridges for them to cross. They, and and there, there's a lot of Israelites. There's hundreds of thousands of them and they need to cross this violent river and they have nothing, they have no way of doing it. And so God sees this and hatches a plan and tells Joshua what to do. He says, take the Levites, the priests of Israel, and have them take the Ark of the Covenant and carry it into the center of the Jordan River. Now, the Ark of the Covenant is Israel's most prized possession, right? It's the dwelling place of the Lord. No one's even allowed to touch it. In order to carry it, they have to take poles, right? And so, the, so these Levites take the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people past the Jordan. It's very symbolic, right? God is the one that is, that is leading the people of Israel past the Jordan River and into this promised land. And so sure enough, as the first step is taken with the ark in the Jordan, the, the streams begin to stop flowing. And all of this new generation of Israel crosses over this violent Jordan River on dry ground. And that's where chapter 3 And what I want us to get from chapter 3, what the Israelites learned from this event is that the hand of God was and is extremely powerful. Like, Like I said, these Israelites, they did not have the opportunity to cross this Red Sea and experience these 10 plagues. They had only heard stories of that. And now today, after this chapter, they had all of those stories confirmed. The same way that Israel enters the wilderness is the same way God has them leave the wilderness, by crossing over a body of water on dry ground. I just love the parallels there. We see Israel, we see Israel cross into, the, into this promised land. And so we should see that God is their provider. They spend their whole lives in the wilderness. Not one person dies of starvation or thirst God is a powerful protector and provider. And the Israelites, were that was all confirmed to them on this day. So at this point, we've gotten through a whole chapter of Scripture. And we're probably pretty tired from last night. And maybe you're asking yourself, all right, why? Why are we talking about this random generation of Israelites? What does this have to do with me today? I think that's a very valid question. I think that we have like an incredible amount in common with with this situation right here today on January 1st, 2023. Literally last night, just a few hours ago, we crossed our own Jordan River into a new time, into a new year. And so what God has in store for the Israelites in chapter four, I think we can really take and learn from. So that's what we're gonna do now. We're gonna look at chapter four for the rest of our time. So I'm gonna start by reading the first few verses. It says this. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly. 
and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. And then verse seven goes on to say, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. See, God wants his people, this new generation of Israelites, to stop what they're doing and go back to the river as soon as they cross it. Chapter four makes it clear, as the last person is literally crossing over this river, God has a new prescription of plans for Joshua to tell his people. Now let's, let's remember the generation of Israelites, right? Whole life in the wilderness. They finally get to this green, fertile land, and God wants them to stop what they're doing and not explore it, not taste that honey or drink that milk. Instead, go back to the river. It actually kind of reminds me of when I was a kid, we would take these long road trips to Florida and leaving cold weather, going to hot weather. We were super excited. But when we finally like, arrived at our destination, we didn't just like, roll up to the beach and run out and, and jump in the ocean and soak up the sun. No, instead, we had to stop, grab our things, and, and check into our hotel, right? And unpack and get ready for the trip. God is having the Israelites do this in this story right now. And the reason why is incredibly important, and it's something that we can learn from too. God knows that if they don't stop, these Israelites will most certainly forget his powerful hand and the role that he played to bring the Israelites to this promised land. So before we can go out and explore, before the Israelites can go out and explore this new land, he wants them to stop and go back to the river. And it's because we are forgetful people and forgetting God has consequences. The first generation of Israel from the book of Exodus shows us this. They didn't get to cross over into the Jordan. They stayed in the wilderness because they forgot. And God knows this and doesn't want this for his people. Now, unfortunately, forgetfulness is, is, is a theme for the Israelites. As you study the Old Testament, if you could sum them up in one word, forgetful, I'd argue, is, is probably the word that you would use. Just this past month in Cove, as we've prepared for Christmas, I've been teaching our students about different Old Testament prophets that have talked about the Messiah. So we talked about Hosea, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And all of these prophets were ministering to Israel during a time where, where Israel's nation was under attack and falling apart, and the enemies were all around the border surrounding them. And they all had a similar message of saying, you Israelites have forgotten who your God is. You Israelites have forgotten and turned away from the powerful hand of God that has put you in this place, that took you out of slavery. And then moving forward, this isn't just a theme in the Old Testament. Just this past fall, with the young adults, we studied the book of Galatians. And in Galatians, the whole reason Paul is writing that letter to the church of Galatia is because they have forgotten about the gospel. They have forgotten that it is through Christ alone that they receive salvation. And instead, they have adopted new methods and new, new rituals that they have to do in order to be saved. And Paul is pulling his hair out because these people have forgotten the gospel that he preached to them. And we can draw that line all the way to us today. We too fall victim to forgetting the powerful hand of God. That hand of God that we talked about from chapter 3 was there then, right? It was powerful and it still is powerful to this day. And so God wants us to stop on days like today when we're entering into a new time, into 2023. And before we explore that, he wants us to stop and go back to the river like the Israelites did. 
And so he has them go back and collect these stones. And I, I think this is important to clarify. God doesn't have any specific type of stone that the Israelites need to grab, right? Like there's, there's not a certain shape or a certain type of stone or a certain color. He doesn't care about that. Instead, he wants them to simply do something so that, so that it can help them remember what God has done. There is nothing significant about the monuments. And today, I want to encourage you to, to make a monument, something that you will see, that will remind you of the things that God has been doing, particularly this past year. Just like how this wedding ring, this is just a symbol, this is just a ring. Now, it was a rather expensive ring at that, but I can take this ring off and put on a different ring, and it still represents the same thing. It still reminds me of the vows that I made. There is nothing special in particular about the monument. Instead, it's the act of remembering. And that's what God wants for his people. So once he has them stop and go back to the river, Joshua reveals more of the reasons why he wants the Israelites to make this monument. And so in verse 21, it says this of chapter 4. So this is Joshua speaking to Israel. When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. See, once we stop and go back to the river, God wants his people to recount what he has done. So that, because it, what he does in our lives, it affects us in a positive way, but it also can affect our loved ones around us and the people around us. So it is our responsibility to continue sharing and sharing and give our testimonies to what God has been doing in our lives, particularly this past year. So today, as, as we are going out for our holiday lunches with our families and loved ones, with, with our friends, when you do that, I encourage you, I challenge you to recount what the Lord has been doing in your life this, this past year, in 2022. While, while it's still fresh in your mind, while you're still able to walk back to that river, take something with you and, and share it with everybody else. And then, this is, this is particularly for the students in the room, but also for everybody, when somebody starts accounting for the things that the Lord has done, it's, our, it's also our responsibility to listen to that because we have the opportunity to learn from other people's experiences. This is something that, that means a lot to me because I grew up as a, as a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor in Elmwood Park for most of my life, which meant that I had like extended family in the church. These people would come and they were, they were pretty much uncles and aunts and they would tell me of like what the Lord was teaching them when they were my age and what the Lord is teaching them to this day. And it was important to me to listen and, and to take in those memories because I, if I forgot those, I might be doomed to repeat some of the same mistakes that they made. And I really realized this when I, was, when I was pretty young, when I was about seven or eight years old, um, my favorite place in the entire world was this camp called Silver Birch Ranch. It's about an hour and a half northwest of Green Bay. It's still to this day one of my favorite places. And when I was about that age, my, my dad was on the board. So he had to go up to this camp for a meeting. And he took me along. He invited me, which meant that I got to skip school and go to my favorite place in the world. It was like paradise to me. It was a great, it was a great trip. I was super excited. But I was in one of these meetings where we were at the camp and all the people on the board were sharing what the Lord had been doing at this camp and how incredible it's been. And then they went on to talk about all the things that the Lord had been doing in their homes. 
and like really rich, fruitful conversation. But seven to eight-year-old Luke was just like, can we get out of here? Like I'm looking out the window, seeing the camp that I love, seeing the lake and being like, can we please, dad, like tugging at my dad's shoulder, like, please, can we go? Like I'm ready to go. Like I gotta go to the bathroom, like looking for any excuse to get out of this fruitful conversation. And it wasn't my dad who pulled me aside, but it was actually the president of the camp. So I got myself in trouble for my impatience. The president of the camp pulled me aside and he was actually a pastor's kid himself. And, and, and he, he said to me, Luke, when you hear adults talking about what the Lord is doing, when they open up scripture and start reading, it is your job to listen and remember. Because one day you're going to grow up and you're going to regret not listening more. You're going to regret that you don't remember more conversations about what the Lord has been doing. See, it is our job when we're trying to remember to both recount events that the Lord has done for us to ourselves, but also to our loved ones. There's a lot of great parents and grandparents in this room with incredible students and children. And it is our jobs as their leaders to share with them what the Lord has been doing. And children, it is your job to stop and listen and and, and remember these things. And so that is what Joshua is thinking after God tells him to do this. That, that is the motivation behind this monument being made. Not, so that, not just so that these Israelites would remember it and not forget it, but also so that their kids and their grandkids and the, and the generations to come would see that and, and know that the hand of God is strong and powerful. It's incredibly important for us on days like today, instead of just just plowing forward into our New Year resolutions. That's why we want you to wait a a week or so in the 2023, but instead to take time to go back to the river, to go back to 2022 and, and remember the things that the Lord has done for us and then share it to those around us, to our loved ones. And then there's one last thing that will be helpful for us as we try and remember what the Lord is doing as we enter into a new year. I want to close with, with verse 24 of chapter four. It says this, He did this so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. See, in order for us to truly remember, we must know that this truth, that that this verse is true. And then in, in response to that, we need to worship our God. Because he is worthy of remembering, he is worthy of stopping and going and making a monument for. He is worthy of all of those things. We just finished celebrating Christmas, right? And it's all about how this God, the same God who, who did all these miraculous things in, in, the, in the Pentateuch and Joshua and who created us, this same God loved us so much that he sent his son down to, to be one of us, right? To, to walk among us, all so that he could serve us. And that service led him to laying his life over for us on the cross, a brutal death, all so that we could have faith in him and believe. And also that we can have and start living an abundant life now and have an everlasting life and go to heaven. Also that we can have a relationship with the Father. Also that we can approach him. See, our God is worthy of making monuments. Our God is worthy of remembering. And so it's important to make monuments to him so that we can remember. That is why I value this wedding ring so much. And that's why I freak out and panic when I don't have it on. Not just because it's expensive, but also because this this helps me and it challenges me to continue loving my wife in a good way. It reminds me, it reminds me that I have been blessed with a wonderful wife. 
and it makes me want to honor her more. We need to make monuments so that we can remember what God has done. And he is so, so worthy of that. So my prayer for us as we start to walk into 2023 is that we would fear, we would fear forgetting what God has done for us in this past year. Scripture has made it clear that we can get into trouble when we, when we turn our eyes away from God and we forget how powerful he is, how he is that provider and protector still to this day. In order for us to do this, we have to look at Joshua chapter 4 and see what is done. We have to see how God wants us to stop on days like today and recount the things that he has done and then finish that time in worship. And so as we close here today, I actually want to give us an opportunity to just stop and, and, and be silent and, and recount the things that the Lord has been doing this past year. And maybe think of a way that you can remember that as you move into the next year. Think of what you want to share with your family and your friends and your loved ones about this past year so that you can keep it with you. Now, I understand that 2022 may have been a tough year for a lot of you, and you're excited to be in, in the new year. And maybe some of you, 2022 was a great year. Either way, this hand of God that we talked about from chapter three is still alive and moving and stronger than ever and working in and around you and your lives. And so it's important for us to take inventory of that and remember so I, I'm going to close this in prayer, but before I do that, I would love for us to just simply bow our heads and, and, and recount 2022. So let's do that now. Lord, I, I thank you for bringing us into a new year, Lord, and I pray that today, tomorrow, as we, as we are starting to take our first steps into this new time, Lord, I pray that we would take the steps necessary to remember you and understand that we don't want to forget how powerful you are and, and your hand, Lord, moving and working among us. So, so, Lord, I pray that you would bless this time as we stop and recount and worship you. And, and that we would remember that you are with us to this day. In your name I pray, amen.